0: Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. Hello, I'm Louise Cooney and welcome back to Open Book. Open Book is a podcast where I sit down with well-known personalities for honest conversations about life and the stories that shape it. Every other week, the podcast is about you guys. We love engaging with your questions and comments and hearing what's in your good books and your bad books. For us this week, the conversation includes binging Netflix, our go-to self-help books, falling off the wagon at the gym, and of course, we check in with the book club. I have my producer, Sarah, here with us today.
1: Hello. Hello. Okay, so the conversation you had with Cathy Kelly was our episode from last week. How did you find that? I
0: loved it. She's just so lovely. She's so full of life. She's so many good book recommendations. Mm -hmm. And like, she's had 22 novels. She's been in the industry a while, you know.
1: Bonkers. And she seems so supportive. And like, although she has such a recognised reputation, she was giving loads of recommendations, I felt, of like young Irish writers, especially female, which I thought was really generous.
0: Yeah, I think she's very open about the fact that she's a feminist. And in her book... Books, there's always strong female characters. Mm. And I remember I, I read, what was the other woman? That was her second last book. And it was so funny. Like the men, I was like, they're very flawed. You know, I was <laughs> like, do you like men,
1: Cathy? <laughs> Be honest with us, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> But um, no, of course she does. She's actually in a new relationship. Which I'm so happy for her.
1: I love that. Finding love later in life, nothing would make me weep more.
0: And she said in the podcast, she said, when you're in love, you the love songs on the radio, you start to understand every Mm. single word. I was like, are you in love, Cathy? You know, I was like, (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah, I think she is. so fab. What was the question that you asked her that, you know, her answer to that question was the most surprising or the most illuminating about her as a person? I thought
0: um, when I asked her, what's been your greatest plot twist? Mm. And she answered being a mother, like motherhood. I thought that was interesting because her kids are grown. You know, they're about to move out. They're going to college. It's not usually what people would say at that mm. stage but I think because they're at that stage and moving out and she's kind of moving into a new stage in her life it was interesting to talk to her about it and she was very honest and yeah I'm excited for her and her new journey her new chapter. Yeah
1: her new beau. Mm. Um, if someone was to ask you that question if your life was a book what mm. would its greatest plot twist be what would your answer be?
0: I suppose moving back from New York was a big one mm. you know um, that changed the course of my next couple of years I met Mark, my boyfriend, when he moved home, and you know, I've set up two businesses since then. Like Jeez. everything has, like cha- life has changed a lot. Yeah, you've you know? really slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> I did for a while, a little while. I've gotten back to
1: reading, mm.
0: Um, but yeah, no, things have changed a lot. And a lot of my friends are getting married, having babies. And, oh
1: my god! Yeah, that
0: I, stage. Yeah, and I'm like, I, only recently I was asking Mark, like, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? And he, I can't even remember where he said, but. He asked me the same question. I was like, New York and I've done it. It's over, done. Like you know, and I don't want to live there again. So yeah, yeah, I feel like it's it's worked out the way it was supposed to.
1: When you moved back from New York, did you feel this positive about coming home, or has it been surprisingly positive an well, experience coming back?
0: Yeah, I think I'm 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 good at kind of sugarcoating things when need to and blocking things out. But like, right. no, I didn't think I I didn't think I was moving home. I just thought I was going to be home for a month. So I brought like active activewear, pyjamas. Right, let's hibernate for a month while COVID is going on and then I'll go back to New York and have the summer. It'll be great. Yeah, And that didn't happen. Two, three yet. years later. Never got back. So, yeah, I had to pack up my apartment. Like oh, That was really hard, like making that decision and having to spend, I had to pay rent for six months in New York when I wasn't Jesus. there. Like it was extortionate. That ain't cheap. Yeah, like the most money I've ever spent on anything. <laughs> um, but look, it's all worked out. Like I would give it up in the morning for where I'm at now. You know, I so much more important this kind of stuff like meeting Mark and being happy and you know.
1: Mm, Sweet. So (laughs) speaking of um, things that are good great and wonderful what's in your good books this week?
0: I'm going to skip back what's your greatest plot twist? Ah,
1: I thought I could escape that one. Um, My greatest plot twist. Well, I suppose stumbling into a completely different career. I studied drama and I was always, as far as I was concerned, destined for the stage. And that had meant so much to me and my identity for so long. Mm. You know, like my granddad dabbled in playwriting. My grandma was a phenomenal actress. Um, And then I suppose I was over in London and, you know, working away at that. Mm -hmm. And I came home just like, you know, almost flippantly because I was doing... um, I was doing a play and we were kind of touring and I couldn't afford London rent while I wasn't living there. So I just sort of packed up my stuff and I was like, oh, well, once we get through Dublin, I'll figure it out from that point. And I kind of just stayed hung around, didn't do a whole lot of work um, and then was offered an internship in News Talk for a week on the Pack Kenny show and kind of never left. So how happy I am and what I'm doing now and how it sort of feels like a new adventure rather than a plan B. I guess that's That's Mm. been quite the plot twist.
0: That is incredible. I can't imagine acting. I feel like I would be the worst actress in the world.
1: No, a lot of what you do is so transferable. I'm sure you'd be fantastic.
0: Was anyone you are in college with, like, are they... Successful now in acting. Um.
1: Yes. Well. Uh, well. My best friend in college, who you know, Darren Garvey, oh, yeah. is absolutely flying it. But I went to drama school in London, and lots of those are doing really well. Like my friend Lucy, she's been in the Harry Potter musical for years. Oh, cool. Um. Yeah. My friend Curran, he's um doing really well. I actually just saw him on the TV at the weekend. I was like, Oh Jesus, is that Curran? Is that insane? <laughs> um. And then my friend Limo is absolutely killing it. He's got a Disney Plus movie coming out now. And and he's actually got a musical, which he's written, about being LGBT and Muslim um, living in the UK. And the music for that is actually being written by those who made the Mary Poppins musical. Oh, wow. So he's about to absolutely take off. And he is my new claim to fame. Watch this space. Watch this space, yeah.
0: OK, so now we can move on to good books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. What is in your good books this week? Well, have you heard of the Netflix show Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey? No. Buckle up, baby. It's this show that's essentially about the FLDS, which is the fundamental church of Latter-day Saints. So it's like Mormons, OK, but they're mm. really fundamentalist. And the main difference between them and other Mormons who live in Utah and all these different places is that they're polygamist. So there'll be one man with 20 wives.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's
1: Bonkers. So I watched that, okay, and the leader of that particular church ended up in jail. And then I got onto this other show called Escaping Polygamy, which was about people who were trying to flee the FLDS. And from there, I found another cult called the Kingston Clan. And they are essentially a smaller version of the FLDS. And they're run by this family called the Kingstons. And the Kingstons believe that they are descended from Christ himself. And because they're descended from Christ himself, they have the blue blood and therefore they want to keep that blood in the family so they all intermarry. Oh, stop. I'm not joking. If you can see my face
0: right now, I'm literally like, "What?" I
1: know it's like medieval stuff, but they'll marry their half sisters. They'll marry their nieces. It. Sorry, the last thing I would want to do is to undermine anyone else's faith. mm. But it does seem as though what we're talking about here is a little more along the lines of a cult Mm. posing as a religion, because all of the members of these communities have to sign over all their property to the prophet, who's like sort of like their version of the Pope. They married the girls when they're like 16, 17, sometimes even younger than that. All of the boys, they have to work manual labour from when they're like 12, all for free. So some of these cults are worth more than a billion dollars. And yet the people who actually are lay people in the church don't see any of that money. It's mad. Most of it's happening in Utah and because they're so powerful they've all this money so they're sending people away to study law so that they have like a great group of lawyers in the clan or they've got people who are paying off law enforcement so that they don't they don't arrest them for polygamy it's completely wild wow. if you're looking for a real deep dive this weekend may i offer you the rabbit hole of polygamy <laughs> I'm telling you it's
0: bonkers and I'm going to give you a lighter recommendation this is my good books um, <gasps> okay have you watched Tania Twain's documentary no on Netflix that on? as well uh, really, really good, really ah. good. And, like I obviously love her music. Everyone does, mm. but she seems like a really nice person. Really down to earth. No airs or graces about her. Okay, I just really liked it, I, you know, I, th- I thought it was really well done. You know, the way sometimes when they do these documentaries, they have a lot of random people. They didn't have that, you know, okay. random people giving their comments, and I'm just like, who are you, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 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 Like, why does when your need, opinion matter? Like, you know,
1: assistant security guard. or something. Yeah, <laughs> so they mm. had
0: like people who were high up in the music industry and other country singers and I didn't know she actually was diagnosed with Lyme disease and that oh, geez, affected her really? career hugely. Huh. Yeah, no, I highly recommend. Like she's so many hits.
1: Yeah, I feel like a
0: woman. So you know what, her second album, which was the album that really took off, 12 out of 16 of those were released, the tracks were released as singles.
1: Surely that has to be some sort of a record.
0: I know, yeah. And then she had to take like a 10 year break because of the Lyme disease. Oh uh. And like, you can hear it in her voice because it, like, it it took her voice. Oh yeah. my
1: god. Yeah. No. But
0: really, really loved it. And then after that we started watching Woodstock.
1: Oh yes, I watched that last night. Yeah. Woodstock ninety nine.
0: Did you watch all of the there's like three episodes? There's there?
1: three episodes, yeah. I watched them all, I binged them. <laughs> oh god, I love a good duck.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So it is interesting to see because people just went wild and the difference in 30 years, very different vibes.
1: Yeah. Peace and love, and then it just turns into absolute carnage.
0: I also asked you guys what was in your good books this week. I got lots of really good book recommendations. But also kind of random things that people were enjoying, sea swims. Which sea swims? Like, the weather has been so fab that I have actually been getting in the water in Ireland, which hasn't happened since <gasps> since like the COVID lockdowns. Mm. I'm a bit of a baby when it comes to cold water. To
1: cold water, yeah. And it is the best hangover cure. It's the only cure for hangover in my view.
0: I was there last weekend, and I swear to God, it wasn't even a nice day. It was the sorry the bank holiday. It wasn't even a nice day. It was raining, and I've there was so many people in the water. Mm. And when we were in Spain a couple of weeks ago, there literally wasn't as many people in the water. Just, the water's warmer. Yeah. It's sunny. I think we're just like, love it. We love the thrill of it.
1: Yeah. Yes. The last thing you want to do is go down and chicken out. Like, as soon as you're down there, you just got to leap in. Sometimes I've done that. Oh, Louise. <laughs> oh, Louise. You've done the <laughs> hard right, part. Like, you've right. dragged yourself out. And actually, one of the best things about Ireland with sea swimming is that a whole cottage industry has developed around it. So, you know, you have those people who go down with the saunas. Oh yeah, I can't remember the name of them. I think it's probably literally like sauna shop or something. But you literally jump out at the forty footer. Where have you? Um, and you can hop into the, the lovely little sauna straight afterwards and go from one extreme to the other. There's also um, ice cream vans and coffee shops mm. in the area. It's
0: creating quite a business, I must say. Yeah, it's such a nice vibe around there. Mm. But another lovely comment we got was the August feeling. It truly feels like a month of Sundays.
1: Aww, Mm -hmm. that's a great way of putting it. Though I imagine the person who wrote that in is a primary school teacher and is off work. Probably.
0: (laughs) And Sunday because it's the last day of the week before they go back on a Monday.
1: (laughs) Yeah, true, true. What is in
0: your bad books? Probably sleep. Oh no. I'm finding it really hard to sleep lately. Do you know what I do when I find that I'm not having a good night's sleep? Do you ever use essential oils?
1: oh yes you rub it onto your pulses and I
0: put it under my nose as well because then you can really smell it
1: what ones do you use like lavender Um,
0: I think I have bergamot and lavender yeah I love lavender
1: yeah yeah because I got lavender you know sort of fresh lavender Mm. and I have that in my bathroom and I light a candle in front of it Mm. and it's sort of offers this sort of aroma, which is mm-hmm. really nice. But I've never been a majorly good sleeper. Like I, my parents, where they live, their neighbours can see into their, their house. Not in kind of a stalkerish way, but they can definitely see what's going on. And they used to call my parents in the morning and say that like the TV's been on since 5am. Because I've like run down and like, I don't know, stuck a <laughs> Disney tape in with my foot or something. And I'm sitting down there. So I've never been a majorly good sleeper. But I do find it even more hard to... To get to sleep and to stay asleep in the summer because it's kind of hot. Yeah, maybe. it's so
0: hot. Like I haven't
1: slept with a duvet since like May. Really? What do you sleep with then? A sheet because I seriously so warm. Yeah. So, oh, this is interesting because I'm doing a report at the moment on building for a hotter future and how. Ireland is set up for the heat waves and the increasing heat coming down the line. Mm -hmm. Because I think in in the next decade that Ireland will see 40 degree weather, which was just unheard of before. Mm -hmm. But sure, if they can get it in the UK, we can get it here. And one of the architects I was talking to was telling me, they're like an eco architect, and they were telling me that we've gotten really into this design of glass everywhere, full windows and that for the future is basically going to turn all of our homes into like a hot box. That's
0: exactly <laughs> what I live in.
1: Oh, so yeah, it's like yeah. being in a
0: greenhouse. They came in, it was brand new when we moved in in January yep. and they came in and put in windows only recently but they only open like a tiny, tiny bit because we're it like crashed. on the top floor. Oh, So yeah, And, like, my boyfriend's parents are staying with us tonight, so he's gone to buy them a sheet because it'll be too hot.
1: (laughs) Good luck, guys. And maybe a fan. Anyway, that's in my bad books. What about you? So, the
0: gym is in my bad books.
1: Oh, man. I
0: know, yeah. Anyone who knows me or kind of follows me online knows that I have an active wear line, first of all. so I just haven't gotten back into it since, like, before my holidays, which is, like, a month ago. And, like, that's a long time for me. Really? I just... Don't want to be inside when it's so nice out. So I'm trying to like get into the habit of like just going for a nice... Like I walked into town today and...
1: Gorgeous. You know, just like enjoying the nice weather, Mm. you know. Do you find that you're getting as much out of that as you do out of the gym or is it kind of a different experience? Yeah,
0: yeah, I do. I like the same, you know, but... At some point, I'll get back into it. You know, yeah. I'm just like, I've always, I'm of the opinion as, as long as you're staying active yeah. and kind of getting those endorphins in by moving your body in any way.
1: Yeah. Then it's good enough. No, you're dead right. I also feel like the worst thing you can do is make yourself do exercise that you don't want to do. You're more likely to keep up something that you enjoy, essentially. And I like, know. I used to be bet into crossfit? Have you ever oh, done crossfit? Really? Oh
0: my god, I can't imagine you. I
1: know. It was a different time. I'm a much better person now. Um it was it was what I needed at the time because I think I'd come from a really sporty background and fallen completely off that after school and college and I was really missing the kind of competitive nature yeah. of sport and you get that with crossfit. You mm-hmm. really do. I mean, there's a bloody board in the corner of the room and they track where you are mm. in terms of your peers. You get, you get really good friends with the people next to you, but then mm. you're also rivals. So it kind of keeps going. I'm thinking about joining a tennis club. You were? Yeah. Oh, fun. I'm thinking about it.
0: Okay, you need to read. Carrie Soto was backed out this month. It's oh. out actually next week. It's such a good box about tennis.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Did I feel through I'll read through that. I'll get a couple of whites. You know, I'll have something that's Instagrammable <laughs> and I'll be away in a hack. <laughs> My mum says it's a great place to meet nice people as well. Yeah. Well, this is what she's I wish, trying to get me paired up.
0: I wish girls were encouraged more to keep up sports after secondary school.
1: Yeah, you're it's so such right. such a
0: shame. Like, Because I would have loved that. Like, obviously... People are probably listening, saying, "There's nothing stopping you now," but it's different. Like, like I haven't, mm. do, I haven't played sports now in a long time, you know. So
1: yeah, it does feel as though also because things are changing, but still I think male sports are a much more professional affair so you have those examples of people who have kept it up Uh and like there's other things that go along with sport as well as just physically looking after yourself there's the discipline of it it's such a social yeah, the community exactly Mm -hmm. and you just don't get that when you're going to the gym unless you have a personal trainer who you love to or crossfit I guess where you know people but
0: when Mark's going out to training I'm
1: like uh, enjoy your time with the lads, and he's like,
0: "It's not like that. It's training. It's a very serious,
1: <laughs> it's a serious matter, Louise." Um. So next week, really excitingly, you're chatting with Rosanna Davison I know. on the podcast. Oh my
0: god, she's incredible, yeah. so inspiring. Her story, I'm sure some of you listening have heard it. She was told she was never going to be able to conceive naturally. Mm-hmm. Her first baby, Sophia, who's now I think two, and mm-hmm. she's two, three maybe. She was brought into the world by gestational sh- surrogate and then a less than a year later she found out she was pregnant with oh identical God. twin boys. Ah! She wow. suffered fourteen miscarriages, which oh is just like God. and you know, like as a woman, like we it's not something we really talk about. Like the only time I've ever heard what happens in detail is through another book and then through reading her book I found out even more. Mm. And it's just like how are do we not talk about this more? I because know. it's it's a real fear of mine, have, you know, going through that. And it, it's very likely something that one of us might have to go through. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just a sad reality that it had probably always been the case. Yeah. Like, you need that support. It's very traumatic to go through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think people almost don't want to share things with other people because they're worried that the response is going to make them even more upset. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of on all of us as well to think about how we would want to be treated in a circumstance like that and make Mm. sure we're giving out that to our friends and our our families.
0: I have a question. What What do you think about the 12 week, wait till 12 weeks to tell people?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, because I know people who've had miscarriages before, I totally understand the wariness before mm. you know you reach a certain point or a milestone. And I think also we're such a superstitious people that comes into it as well. Not wanting to jinx it or whatever. Mm. But if you put a certain timeline on it, it's as if if you lose a pregnancy before a twelve-week mark, then it's almost less of a loss or ah, you weren't at that stage Mm, anyway, or uh, wouldn't it be worse if it was further down the line? I understand why it's there, but I don't think it's going to break the taboo around talking about miscarriage.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, it's interesting. Um, I'd love to know what you think as well, if you want to email us in. Anything we're talking about, like if you have opinions that you want to share, please email us. The email is openbook at loudnow.com.
1: It sounds like from her book, it's sort of part autobiographical, but then part like a handout to other women who've gone through that sort of thing kind of almost in like a self-help way would that be fair enough to say?
0: Yes I think it's a good guide for people who are dealing with that you know they kind of will understand the emotions a little bit better maybe how to deal with them Feel less alone Feel less alone know that somebody else has gone through this as well you know Mm. Um, I have loads of books I suppose not in relation to this but in relation to self-help that I would consider in the same way. You know, say if you're going through a tough time, if you're feeling a little bit lost, whether it's to do with work, relationships, friendships, you know, there's so many books you can get for all of these things. Um, Do you read many self-help books? Read
1: self-help books. books. See, yeah, I think it's the sort of thing you're either madly into self-help books or you're the total opposite person who doesn't really read any. And I think I've probably been both of those people. Like I remember specifically during COVID, maybe we were in like the third lockdown and I'd just broken up with a guy I'd been seeing and a book got delivered to the door and I was living with one of my really good friends at the time and I pulled it out and the title of it was Reinventing Your Life. And I was like, oh my God, I'm such a misery guts." <laughs> Well, I oh, yeah, I yeah. hear
0: those and I raise you. I'm just going into my audible because I remember during lockdown I'd be frantically walking, pounding the pavements, listening to these like it is it's even more pathetic, I think. <laughs> you can heal your life by Louise Hay. That's actually a really popular one. Okay. I spoke to Louise O'Neill about it in one of the I think it was the first podcast we we did on mm-hmm. Book Some of it's quite outdated, but she gives you exercises to do. Like Oh like,
1: yes. I uh, I need a bit of homework. Affirmations, yeah.
0: Things like that, like which is weird, but like if you're having a hard time it, that stuff actually helps
1: I know so. I know it fe- it feels a little bit woo woo, but as soon as you actually make a part of your routine, you're like, hmm, how did I ever live before?
0: The untethered soul this by Michael singer, that's an old one um think like a monk by Jay Shetty. Yes, I've heard of that, yeah, and I do find it them hard to read, but I find when you're walking. Or like if you're in the car, like you kind of take in bits of it, you know?
1: Yeah, you're so right. That's what I felt when I was listening to... What I Know For Sure by Oprah Winfrey. I think you talked oh, about yeah. this in your book, did you? I love that you? one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I love that. And that is a great example of how an audiobook can be almost a better experience than reading because Oprah narrates it. Yes. And yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. got such a motherly energy. Mm-hmm. And some of her advice, interestingly, is about looking back to better your future. So like one of the things she was saying was like, take a day a week where you don't have any plans or you don't have, you don't answer your phone. That's her
2: Sunday. That's what she
1: uses Sunday for. And then if you think about all of our older religions and philosophies, they have like a day of rest. And of course, you're supposed to be worshipping whatever God that particular religion believes in. But if you just apply that principle to your own life, it's really kind of old school wisdom helping us provide a more calm future for ourselves.
0: And she says in the book, I remember she says, um, when she doesn't have her Sunday, she feels the effects of it. Mm. And I remember being like, Oh yeah, me too actually. She's like she feels right. off Deadal balance. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like if you like same for anybody probably. Like if you are working too much, if you're mm. if you're not allowing your brain that time to switch off, you're going to feel it, you know.
1: 100%. Sure, don't they say a Sunday well spent is a week of content?
0: Oh, there's so I have so many notes. I'm just looking through here. I made so many notes of that from that book because it just sparked so many yes. things. I highly recommend All right. Give us one or two. Okay. So we can go into pleasing others. We can go into money, bad relationships, choosing happiness, plans in the universe. Talk to me about the naysayers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether you hide or shine, they'll always feel threatened because they don't believe they are enough.
1: Wow. Powerful stuff, mm. Oprah. She's dead, right? You're never going to please everybody. Yeah, no. And some people, unfortunately, just like to be negative.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have a teaser of Rosanna's episode coming up a little bit later on. But first, let's check in with the book club. This week we are reading, it ends with us, we read to the end of chapter six.
1: Oh shite, I read to the end of chapter five. Oh, that's okay. Okay, okay, let me just speed read now quickly. Give us a brief moment, listener. (laughs) No, I'm only joking. Okay, but anyway. it's actually
0: only five pages, so I don't think you've missed much
1: there. Okay, okay,
0: okay. First things first, what do you think of Ryle?
1: What do I think of Ryle? Well... I think I have met many a bloody rile in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, um, he seems like one of those guys who believes he's more tortured than he is. And I couldn't help but do the odd eye roll when I was listening to him giving her these various cliches and these corny pickup lines. And he had a real bang of, I have a massive ego and you better mm. just bloody deal mm-hmm. with it about him. Mm-hmm. What did you make of him? Um... Kind of hot, probably. I imagine he would be hot. <laughs> Definitely. You don't get that confident without a serious good looker on our hands. Yeah,
0: I don't know if he's as self-aware as he thinks he is. Mm. You know, I think he thinks, OK, I will just need one-night stand and that's yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah. But I don't actually think that's what it is. And I think beating up the, the garden furniture, that was his way of letting out his anger. Mm-hmm. I feel like he is troubled, Feel like I feel
1: like he thinks he's more troubled than he is. Have you not come across those people that just love a bit of bloody drama? Yeah. yeah. I think that's who we're dealing with here. But I did enjoy their meat cute. And I do enjoy the kind of their growing what? sexual tension between them. They're meat cute. What's that? Oh, Jesus. Have you never seen the holiday? Yeah Ara Louise I have I have So the meet cute is how two characters in a movie might meet each other mm-hmm. So the example used in The Holiday is that a girl goes into a store and she's like I just need a t-shirt to sleep in and then a guy goes into a store and he's like I just need pants and then they're both stood in front of this like perfect set mm-hmm. and they meet each other and they both want the exact same oh, okay, thing okay. That's the meet cute okay. um, Have you ever had a meet cute in your life? I don't know
0: I don't I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. Have you?
1: Um, uh, yes I've had a number of meet-cutes But What I'm learning now Is that they don't necessarily Hold the significance That we kind of think they do No, like totally that. I like,
0: think You can make Any love story romantic If you want to You just gotta put a certain spin on it You know
1: Absolutely Then also You don't have to tell people How you met Just enough FYI why, why? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm just saying You know If you meet somebody over Tinder or You Bobble totally or met your
0: boyfriend Over Tinder didn't you? I didn't! <laughs>
1: I didn't. No, but you can say, oh, we met on Grafton Street. Now, you might have organised meeting on Grafton Street. On Tinder, Jesus, you can lean on and it's snoring. Either way, these guys seem to have a very nice meet, cute. But what do you make of Lily? I think
0: she seems like a really nice person. I think, you know, she, oh, you're giving me
1: luck Oh, sorry
0: <laughs> You know you No, know I'm just in,
1: I'm intensely interested In your view on Lily
0: Well, I think Her helping out Atlas Was really nice, you know yeah. And she didn't even tell anybody And I think Her going after her dreams Is exciting for her mm-hmm. She gave in quite easily to Ryle You know
1: Hey, girls, got to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like I, I can't say I wouldn't do the same I don't know
0: <laughs> But um, No, I actually probably Wouldn't do the same no I wouldn't I wouldn't
1: Well I, I don't see I don't think it's ne- I don't think that's a one night stand I would say a one night stand is meeting someone in a bar and having a passionate evening together and never seeing each other again Yes Like she's met him a couple of times and she knows his last name I mean what more does a girl want? Yeah <laughs> i <I'm really joking. laughs>
0: We don't have very many boxes to take here.
1: <laughs> Standards are pretty low, guys. Um, I do love his sister, though. Yeah, she seems lovely. She seems great. I'd love to know a little bit more about her. Yeah,
0: but she's a fictional character. People like
1: that do not exist. I know. I was thinking that as well. Never had a job in this day and age. God's mm. sake. So where do you think this is going? Oh, yeah. Good question. Well, I'm really enjoying the device of the letters to Ellen. Yeah,
0: that's cool, isn't I it? I
1: like it. Yeah, I do like it. And so I'm hoping that Atlas moves from a past diary to a present IRL future. I'd love if he mm-hmm. came into it.
0: Well, I mean, we read the back, didn't we? And he, oh. he does come back. Yeah, he, okay. We know okay. he comes back.
1: Okay, so I'd love Ryle and Lily to end up together, but I don't see that happening. Mm. I see there being some sort of a kerfuffle. Atlas comes back into the picture. She's with Atlas. Ryle gets jealous, thinks he has these big feelings for her, but inevitably... Let's her down and then she ends up with Atlas who appears in the book to be a really conscientious, kind, lovely, mm-hmm. smart person. So I think he's actually a good fit for our Lily.
0: <laughs> Do you think that Atlas shows up and he is now a royal personality? Has he changed? <gasps> Imagine.
1: In my head there I was like, oh my God, Ryle is Atlas. But no, that's completely <laughs> bonkers. That's not what's happening. He has a sister for God's sake. Um, no, but I'd say that he's I can't imagine he'll have strayed from like the good character he had before. But I imagine he's in a much more successful position now.
0: I'm excited to get into this book. I had so many people write to me and say that they finished it in a week. Sorry, oh. a day, a day, a day. Finished it in a day. Yeah. So we have two weeks, right? And I'm thinking once we properly get into this, we're not going to want to stop. So I think we finish in two weeks. Okay. Um. Please do send in your thoughts to openbook at com, And we're going to chat about it lots more next week. So if you've finished it already, if you've read the book before, please share your thoughts on the characters, stuff you thought were a bit funny, anything at all. And we can chat about that in more detail in two weeks time when we'll be back with the book club.
1: So as we spoke about before, Rosanna Davison is joining us next week. Yes. Um, what was it like interviewing her?
0: It was emotional. Like I was reading her book, kind of researching and like I was literally brought to tears like several times because I really, really felt for her. I think as a woman, like you probably naturally most people have a bit of a maternal instinct and I definitely do. I always have. I can't wait to have kids someday. And it does scare me. Like I always say, like, if I'm lucky enough, I kind of always finish that. You know, I haven't tried to yet. And I, don't w- I don't want them right now, but I do want them someday. So it's mm. scary, like, to think, oh my God, like, what if you, You know, you try so hard for so long not to, you know what I mean? I know,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um so yeah, that's that is scary. And it was she goes through so many things that you wouldn't imagine Miss World to talk about, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Not what if you look at her Instagram, you wouldn't imagine she's gone through all this, you know? Mm. So I really admire her and she even during the war in Ukraine brought her surrogate home, like helped to get her home. Brought her dog home, of course, because she's an animal lover.
1: Yeah, she's such an animal. Um,
0: they've housed her. They've got her jobs. They got her a car. Like amazing, really, really inspiring, and a really lovely listen. She is a total open book in this podcast.
2: Great. Well, let's give our listeners a bit of a teaser. When I experienced um, our first miscarriage back in 2016, it was. A whole new world to me, you know, I'd had friends who'd had miscarriages, but had been told by their doctors it was a genetic anomaly in in the developing embryo and that they'd most likely go on to have a healthy full term pregnancy, and they did, so it just wasn't in my radar. I just thought, well, you know you'd have a loss that's really sad, but then you'll just have a baby after that. So when it happened to me and it happened repeatedly, i At the beginning, I just felt, you know, I was traumatic and I felt alone and didn't know who to turn to to talk to because nobody else I knew had experienced that sort of level of loss repeatedly. And even the specialists I was seeing couldn't really understand somebody who got pregnant very easily, but couldn't maintain it past about the six and a half week mark. And so I went through all the emotions of feeling um, like furious and frustrated at my body and feeling that my reproductive system was broken and dysfunctional and wondering, had I, you know, the the self-blame that you go through and the guilt and the feelings of, um, you know, I need to do better. I need to try harder. Why did I have that cup of tea or coffee? I shouldn't have gone to the gym or Pilates. I shouldn't, you know, I should have, sat home and wrap myself up in bubble wrap. And it's exhausting going through those emotions. Anyone who's, you know, ever tried to get pregnant and and had a difficult time or lost a pregnancy will will just tell you how exhausting it is to battle infertility month after month. And so I did a lot of work on myself and sort of came through it and made peace with the idea that I was the girl who couldn't have a baby naturally and I needed help. I needed a surrogate. And I found that I was able to, after, I don't know, a year or two of of struggling with it, I was able to actually say out loud that, you know, I can't have a baby. You know, my friends are able to have healthy, full-term, easy pregnancies, but I'm not able to, and that's fine. There's lots of other positive aspects to my life, but I'm just not able to have a baby so I was kind of fine with that, and I, I, I was so fed up and tired of um, feeling angry at my body and, and frustrated with it that I just sort of came to accept it. And I think that inspired um, my desire to, to talk about it publicly, publicly and to, to ultimately write a book on it because I just felt, why should I hide this? You know, surely other people are going through something similar, and other couples are having this, you know similar experiences to me. Why should I? stay quiet and and feel ashamed and alone and traumatised, you know, why can't I talk about it? And of course when I did talk about it I realised that how many others are are suffering in in silence or or too ashamed to talk about it or We don't even uh, really learn
0: about it like until you talk about it. It's not something that people often would share information on.
2: Well that's it and I do understand I mean I wasn't brave enough to talk about it when I was going through it um, apart from just speaking to close family and friends it was only afterwards when it all worked out that I felt confident Mm -hmm. enough to speak about it so I can understand why it's such a difficult sensitive emotive subject to talk about um for for anyone but I do feel there's such power in sharing our stories to to help others and to to show them that there are challenges that we all face and um it's you know Life is full of challenges and unfortunately this was, this was ours in this case and to give hope as well. Thank you so
0: much for listening to this episode of Open Book. I hope you enjoyed just the chats with myself and Sarah and the book club being back. I think this is such a nice way to do it because we can listen to it anytime, anywhere. So please do send in your feedback and your thoughts to openbook at goloudnow.com. And we'll be back next week with another amazing guest, Rosanna Davison. And I just can't wait for you to hear that episode. Don't forget to rate, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And I will talk to you next week.